Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I actually changed my message. I was going to share something else tonight. But my wife did a brilliant job sharing this morning. Don't you agree? For those of you that were here, she did a great job. And she started talking about some of the mummy sayings, the mum-isms. And uh, I smiled to myself because I remember at my mum's funeral, I, I talked about my mother's most memorable mantras. And uh, it, was, it was a special moment for me because the funeral was anything but a sad occasion because as I shared some of these thoughts, we had very fond memories uh, of my mum and her incredible wise sayings. But as I was sharing some of those sayings, and I know there was a handful of you that were there that day, um, there were a lot of mums that shared these sayings. And I want to share some of them with you tonight because what you'll find is it's not just the wisdom of a mum, but that it's actually the wisdom of God. For every one of these mantras of my mum, uh, they are backed up in Scripture. And so tonight, my aim is to have a, a little bit of fun. Uh, it's to honour my mum as best I know how, but also to connect with each and every one of you, because I think as I share some of these things, you are going to be able to identify with some of these mantras. You're going to be able to say to yourselves, I've heard that before. And some of you mums out there are going to say, oh my gosh, he, he, he's reading my mail. He knows me intimately because I've said that many times. And so we're going to have a lot of fun tonight, but there's going to be some impactful meaning to what takes place. And we're going to realise that there's not just a practical uh, impact, but there's also a spiritual impact that takes place through some of these mantras. And so tonight's message is simply this, my mum's most memorable mantras. How does that sound? And if you don't know what a mantra is, a mantra is simply a statement or a slogan repeated frequently. And in our household, these were repeated frequently. Okay, so are you ready to go with me on a journey tonight? that we might tap into the wisdom both practically and spiritually tonight. Number one, I've got 10 of them and we're gonna go through them very quick and uh, then we're gonna get some people baptised. Then we're gonna go home and have a great time doing what we do at home. All right, how does that sound? Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. I learned one thing about myself this morning. Uh, well, actually I learned something about my wife that she knows about me and that is that I have a big head. Wasn't too happy about that. But anyway, so I did ask Chris at that moment if he'd give me a hand holding my head because it was getting heavy. But uh, anyway, all right. Um, fantastic. Number one is simply this. Always wear clean underwear. You never know when you have an accident. Now that cannot just be in my home. Please tell me that some other mum out there uh, has said that or some child out there has heard their mother say that. Anybody? Yeah, make sure you got your clean underwear on. You never know if you have an accident. Are you with me? Um, and as a kid, I had a lot of accidents. I remember one, uh, not, not those. You must be a nurse to think like that. No, not those kind of accidents. I did have some of those accidents, but not that. I'm talking about, you know, on bikes and, you know, climbing walls and all those manly things, you know. I never forget one time. Um, I was riding my bike and back in the day, it was really cool to take all the brakes off. You didn't have brakes on your bikes as a, as a kid. 
at least not as a, as a boy kid. I mean, the girls may have, and that's what separated the boys and the girls. It wasn't pink and blue, it was whether you had brakes on your bike or not. And so we'd always take our brakes off our bike and you'd learn to throw the back end of the bike out in order to stop, remember that? And I'll never forget this one day, I was flying around the school and I, for whatever reason, I had no brakes, but also had no shoes on. And so... And I was in this kind of narrow corridor and so I couldn't throw the back end of my bike around. I couldn't put my feet down. And so I saw this wall coming up fast and I just went straight into this wall. And unbeknownst to me, I knocked myself out. And uh, I kind of came to, not knowing that I'd been knocked out. Have you ever noticed that if you've ever been knocked out, you don't know you're actually knocked out? And so my friend's rocking me and saying, like, wake up, wake up, wake up. And I, and I kind of came to, and he said to me, why haven't you been answering me? And I said, what do you mean? I'm answering you now. He said, no, no, I've been shaking you for 10 minutes. And I remember that moment thinking, this is one of those accidents that my mum was talking about. And I checked to see if I had clean underwear. And I was, I've got to be honest, it brought such comfort knowing that I had clean underwear on. In my accident, um, any boys out there know what I'm on about? Uh, the point is simply this, that you can get away with something while things are going well. But it's in moments of crisis that things in our lives are exposed. And I want to encourage you to make sure that we're not just looking after the outside. You know, we live in a very outside appearance world. We're all about the selfie. We're all about social media. And we always put our best front forward. We always put our best face forward. And we can make our life look so much better than it actually is. But Jesus wants to go deeper than that. Jesus wants to get into our hearts. In actual fact, Christianity is an inside out job. He wants to work from the inside out. He wants to make sure the inside of our life is clean in order that the outside of our life will also be clean. He said it this way in Matthew 23. Woe to you teachers of the law, you Pharisees. He called them hypocrites. He says, because you clean the outside of the cup, you make sure every photo on Instagram is edited perfectly but on the inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish and then you'll be clean on the outside as well you know I know that Religion gets a bad rap for covering things up and putting on your masks and, and that is warranted to some degree but that is not true of every church. And we as a church want to be a place where you can come without your masks. We want this to be a safe place where you don't have to cover up, that you can come warts and all, and that uh, we can let God do a work on each and every one of us at the same time, but not just with our outer appearance, but starting from our heart, making sure that uh, on the day of crisis, on the day of trouble, that we'll be strong because we are strong first on the inside. That if we have a problem, and if we have an accident, and if things don't go well, and you know what? Being a Christian does not mean that you will not have problems. And I think some people have bought into the lie that I, you know, I'm going to try Christianity because my life is not good. And if I come to Jesus, then I'll have no more problems. That's a lie. 
What Jesus wants to do is get you so strong and so healthy on the inside that you'll be able to stand when you have accidents. You'll be able to stand when you face problems. You'll be able to stand when things don't quite go the way that you thought they would and that you'll be able to stand and not give up and not give in. Amen. So mum was right. Number two, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you? Which is really weird because every time my mum said that, I'd stop there and think about it. I think about how steep this cliff was, whether there was water to jump into. I'd have this kind of, you know what I'm saying? Have that kind of mental game going on. Um, But I don't think that's what she was implying. The point is that I think she was trying to make, and one that the Bible is trying to make, is don't just follow anyone. Don't just follow anyone. Because the result is you might get seriously hurt. You know, uh, as a father um, who has three young kids, um, I've tried to implement in their lives what our parents implemented in our lives. And they encourage us to do dangerous things, but not stupid things. And there is a difference. There is a, the moment you try and mollycoddle your kids and put them in cotton wool, and, and that's this cotton wool kid generation that we have today, that, that's going to create a problem. So, so I'm not advocating don't let your kids have some fun and don't let them do some dangerous things. But there's a difference between doing some dangerous things and just some plain stupid things. And uh, if we just listen to all the things that are out there, we're going to get really, really hurt really, really quickly. And so what decisions are you making? In Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Can I say, when it comes to making a good decision, if there are 10 people saying one thing, and then there's an older, wiser person, but it's only one of them, don't go by what the 10 friends of yours are saying. Because when it comes to wisdom, there's not a lot of wisdom out there. Wisdom is going to be in the few, not in the many. And I want to encourage you, as I've tried to all my life, get around the faithful few, the few that have the wisdom, um, the few that maybe aren't in the popular crowd. They certainly don't have numbers on their side. Remember, Jesus didn't have his, the numbers on His side. But get alongside them, maybe some with a little bit of grey hair, maybe some with with a a little bit of experience and get alongside them, draw from them as opposed to just listening to your mates and what they want to do because ultimately if we just listen to them without the wisdom, without the experience, we're going to suffer much loss. And I know life wasn't meant to be easy, but let's be honest, I don't think life was meant to be as hard as we've made it. I think life has become a lot harder because we're listening to the wrong people. I tell this story all the time. Uh, as a guy who uh, was buying a car for the very first time, I'm not a car guy. I don't know why. I'm just not wired that way. But when it came to buying my first car, I realised I needed someone who had more wisdom than me. Otherwise, I would go and buy a lemon. I would go and buy a money pit. I would go and buy a car that looked cool, but would cost me a lot of money. And so I remember going across the road to a man by the name of Uncle John and Uncle John helped me buy a car and it was a 1974 Toyota Corona, which was not cool. I'll be honest, it wasn't the coolest car in the world, but it did get me through for five years. And after five years, I sold this old car for $100 more than I paid for it and made a really good decision by listening to a man who was much wiser and that little bit older than me and knew a lot more about cars than I did. Had I listened to my mates, I would have ended up with my Tirana SLR 5000. I wouldn't have been able to afford the petrol. 
I wouldn't have been able to afford the mags nor the rubber tyres and all the, I wouldn't have been able to afford it and it would have just done me harm. I would look really cool for a really short period of time, but I would have lost much. And so I thank God for Uncle John. Maybe we should have an Uncle John day. I don't know, but uh, I hope this is helping. Again, we see that mum had a good point. Number three, uh, don't put that in your mouth. You don't know where it's been. <laughs> have we got the same mum? I mean, is, is, are these things, you're, you're hearing them yet? Uh, and then these things follow through. With all three of our kids, I've had to say this. Mum has had to say this. I never forget one time in particular, Mitchie, I said, Mitch, what is that in your mouth? And he's chewing away. I know I didn't give him any chewy. I know my wife didn't give him any chewy because he was too young to have chewy. We didn't want our children at that age having chewing because we've heard all these horror stories. They can swallow it, it can get stuck. It stays in your stomach for seven years and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't want that for our kids. And so I'm like, what, what are you chewing? He goes, Chewing gum. So, so my next question is, now that I've established what it is, I said, where did you get that? He goes, in the bin. <laughs> the chewy was in the bin. And I remember like hitting him on the back. I said, get that out of your mouth. You don't know where that's been. He goes, yes, I do. It's been in the bin. <laughs> like What? I didn't quite, I had no wisdom for that response. <laughs> because he was right, it would been in the bin. But again, I think the point is this, don't just swallow anything. Don't just swallow anything. If you swallow anything, it's going to make you again unhealthy and sick. Jesus said in Matthew 4 verse 4, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Don't swallow everything you hear. In this life, you're going to hear lots of things about a lot of things and a lot of people. And we of the church should be wiser and smarter and not just swallow everything we hear. We should have the wisdom to be able to say, I'm not going to believe that because I know that person. And I also know enough that if I have an issue with that person, I'm going to go to them face to face. So I, I'm not going to believe what I'm hearing. I'm going to find out for myself. I'm going to get all the facts and I'm going to make a well-educated decision about this instead of just believing the lies that are out there. Because once something's on Facebook, apparently that makes it law. Have you noticed that? It's like, I read it on Facebook. It must be true. It was on a current affair, so it must be true. Come on. We had one of, one of the greatest churches that Australia has, has ever had the privilege of, of housing. Just being trash-talked on national television by, by a, a, radio, a television company that should know better. They should know better. And people are debating it. People are talking about it. And worse still, people are just gobbling up and saying, ha I knew and we get one disgruntled member who they seem to find every year. I mean, since when does one disgruntled member make that an authority? One disgruntled member who writes a book and that makes them an authority. And meanwhile, there are countless hundreds and thousands of people around the world 
coming into an experience of God like never before. And we're going to believe. Don't, don't, don't swallow everything. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't put that in your mouth. You don't know where it's been. Number four, eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. You know, growing up, if we didn't eat our vegetables, I, I kid you not, and this is where my dad stepped in. And uh, can I just say a word for the dads? If you want to do the best thing for your kids, can I say this, love your mother. The best thing you can do as a father is love your mother. I, I, I tell you, that is the best thing that you can do is love your mother. Dear mother, yeah. The best thing you can do as a father for your kids is to love their mother, your wife. Got it? That's what I'm trying to say. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. But it's true. It's true. It's true. That's for free. Love your children's mother, men. On that note, um, I remember Dad sticking up for Mum, particularly around this issue of eating your vegetables. And he would say to us, the next thing you eat will be those vegetables. And if you don't eat them tonight, you'll go to bed hungry. And the first thing in the morning you will eat is the vegetables. You'll be having those vegetables for breakfast. Do you know what that meant in my life growing up? I thought vegetables were breakfast. <laughs> I'd get to school and everyone would be talking about what they had for breakfast. They had Kellogg's cornflakes. They had Cocoa Pops. I had vegetables. I thought it was kind of breakfast. And, and we've carried that with our kids. Uh, my two older ones would say we've slackened off with the younger one. Um, but they would tell you stories when they've eaten vegetables for breakfast. They would say that BJ has never had to do that because I favour her more than them. But I remind them one thing that they didn't have to put up with is big brothers and big sisters picking on them 24-7. So that kind of evens that one out. But eat your, eat your vegetables. The point is that if you don't, you lose your health if you're always eating junk food. Can I say this? I'm not into paleo everything and gluten-free everything. I think some of those people need deliverance. I really do. I mean, like, you know, people are always posting food on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and, and saying that everything else, is, I, I don't know if, if, if that's how Jesus wanted us to live our life. And if he did, keep it to yourself. I mean, I like to eat fairly healthy, I do, but I'm not going to put that onto you. Because um, I, I do believe, you know, that junk food in its place can be fine and lollies and sweets and, and, and all the rest of it. But here's my point. You can't live on that. Yeah. Yeah. Although that, that junk food aisle that you go down in the supermarket, I think that's okay. But you can't live on it. You can't live on junk food. And, and so you, you need to balance the junk with health. And, and I think that's what, for me, is so important about getting to church.
Because, you know, you, you can't avoid going into the world and, and, and hearing things on the radio, hearing things on the television, hearing things at work, school or university. You know, we try to protect our kids as best we possibly can from certain language and uh, words. But, you know, you can only do that for so long. And uh, I think our kids now being at school, being 16 and 15, they've heard most words now. You, you can't protect them forever. And that's what I love about coming to church. It's a place where we can just get washed clean again. When we read our Bible, it's a place where we can get some healthy food again to combat the stuff that you can't avoid in this world. We need to balance this world with good spiritual disciplines. And I want to encourage you to have those spiritual disciplines in place. The Bible says that if you find honey, eat just enough because too much of it will make you sick. It'll make you vomit. And uh, even though we're having fun with this message tonight and hopefully getting something out of it, you know, I couldn't always preach like this. This is a fun night and we're having fun. But you can't always do the same thing all the time because you're going to get sick and unhealthy. And so, you know, when it comes to your favourite verse, I thank God that you've got favourite verses. And we're actually going to do a series called Favourites and going to get different people up here sharing their favourite verse. I think there's a place for that. But you know what? In order to be well-balanced and mature believers, you've got to grab a hold of the verses that aren't your favourite ones. You've got to obey the ones you don't even like. You know, I, I doubt if I asked any one of you, who has a favourite verse that is love your enemies? I, I, I've never come across a person who said, my favourite verse is love your enemies. But love your enemies, that's the verse that is Brussels sprouts. It's the one that's a bit bitter to swallow, but it's going to do you good. And so eat your vegetables. I feel the Lord say, eat your vegetables. Eat, eat this, eat this word. Love your enemies. You know, you don't have to eat. You don't have to be force fed. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope, plans to give you a future. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. I mean, come on. You don't have to have that for breakfast. You have that right now. Thank you very much. But it's that love your enemies we put to the side of the plate. And we look at it. If you don't eat that, you're going to eat it tomorrow. And if you don't eat it tomorrow, you're going to eat it the next day. You're going to pass this test. You see, there's a lot of Christians that live what I call Groundhog Day. Do you ever see Groundhog Day, that movie, where this man wakes up every day and it's the same song on the radio. It's the same day. And until he learns his lesson, he keeps having to repeat himself. And I think there are so many Christians that just go round the mountain and round the mountain and round the mountain. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes Because we refuse to eat our vegetables. Because we refuse to eat the Scriptures that we don't like. Because we refuse to put those things into practice. And so we say, I know what I'll do. I'll leave church. I'll go to another church. I'll leave state. I'll go to another state. But you know what? God is so committed to our growth. He makes sure there's sprouts everywhere. If you want to go to Queensland, guess what? There are sprouts in Queensland. There are sprouts in America. There are sprouts everywhere. God wants you to have a healthy diet. He doesn't want you to just keep putting those things to one side and living off McDonald's. So mum had a point. Eat your vegetables. Number five, money doesn't grow on trees, you know. Which caused me 
to put that to the test as a young kid growing up. I remember getting 50 cents, digging a hole in some dirt, putting the 50 cents in the dirt and watering it for a couple of days. And I can't, I, I, I kind of, I have to say that I aborted my experiment because I got impatient. So I wasn't sure whether anything was happening, but I, I thought, man, 50 cents in the ground, if I took that out now, I could actually spend it down the shop and buy some lollies. So I dug the money up and spent it. So my experiment was aborted. So I can't actually tell you whether money grows on trees or not because I actually aborted the um, uh, little experiment that I started for myself. But I think the point was that we need to be responsible, that we need to show appreciation for what we have, and that we need to work hard. In Proverbs 12 verse 11, it says, A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. I'm all for you dreaming. I'm all for you not being put in a box and told you can't do something. I'm all for you fulfilling a dream. I, you know, that's part of our passion as a church to see what God has placed in your heart to come to the, to the fore. But if, if your desire, for example, is, is to play guitar, that's not just going to happen. You've actually got to work hard on that instrument. And, and maybe there was a word over your life that you're going to be a great musician and you're going to see many people uh, led in worship, blah, blah, blah. That's cool, but you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to do the hard yards when other kids are out doing their fun things and they're on the computers doing what they want to do. You're going to, have to put all those things aside and work hard at what you do. Otherwise, it's just a fantasy. See, I believe a difference between a dream and a fantasy is this, hard work, a plan. Discipline, that, that's a dream. But if you don't have the hard work and the plan and the discipline in place, it's just a fantasy. Yeah. I want to lose 10 kilos. Good dream. What's the difference between a dream and a fantasy? A fantasy says, I want to have, uh, I want to lose 10 kilos as you're whop, chomping down a burger and never going to the gym. That's a fantasy. But when you put aside the burger and you get to the gym and say, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. That, that's the difference. That's the difference. Because money doesn't just grow on trees. It takes effort. It takes hard work. And I don't want as Christians us to get lazy. And make everything a spiritual problem. So I'm tired of praying for people because of their problems. And a lot of their problems are just mismanagement of their health. It's mismanagement of their finance. And they say, can you pray for me? Now I can always pray for you, but you might not like what I want to pray for you for. Because some people want me to pray for them to lose weight. And I'm saying, I want to pray for you to keep your mouth shut <laughs> and not eat all that food. Exercise a little bit of discipline. Uh, can you pray? I, I want to pray that uh, my finances increase. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pray that you have wisdom and discipline to manage the finances you presently have. Come on. Work with me. See, I, I believe that some problems are very spiritual and we need prayer. But some of our problems are physical. Some of the problems are emotional. Some of them are mental. Some of you are just mental cases. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I, I'm a prayer. I, I believe in prayer. Those who know me well know that to be true. I, I believe in prayer. But all this hasn't just happened just because of prayer. There's a time to pray and there's a time to stop praying and start doing. You know, before we planted this church, 
myself along with my brother had been praying together for two years every morning from 5.30 to 6.30. It's just something I felt God to do. It's something that Pete felt uh, to do and we just did it. It wasn't something anyone put on us. It's just something we did. And uh, during that time, a whole number of things happened. That's irrelevant. But uh, my pastor came to me that time and he said to me, have you ever thought of starting your own church? And before God, I had never thought of starting my own church. I knew I loved God. I knew I wanted more of God. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that meant. But we just prayed every day that God would do something, that God would uh, open, whatever. And when my pastor came to me that day and said, have you ever thought of starting your own church? Uh, I said, no, I haven't. But if you're offering that, then the answer is yes. I actually never prayed about that. He asked me and I never prayed about it because that was not a time for praying. That was a time for responding. To me, that was the answer of the two years of praying. And I think how many people would have missed that opportunity because they would have gone away and prayed about it? And then got thought, overthought it and then got confused about it and then said, let me pray about it. So now I'm just confused. I don't know the will of God. There's a time to pray and then there's a time to just move. There's a time to pray and there's a time to do. You know, you might be praying for a job and I don't know whether to do this job or that job. If you've got two jobs, you don't quite know which one you should be taking. I'd say this, take one. And it will either be a good job for you, a good fit or it won't. And then you guess what? If it's not, then da da I mean... This is not rocket science. It's just not rocket science. I think sometimes we get too spiritual for our own good. I think it's some of our young people that are looking for this elusive young lady and, and you know, waiting for this red cross to appear on her forehead because she's the one that God has ordained for me. I, I think we've made dating really awkward. I, I think we've made it a lot more awkward than it needs to be. But anyway, that's another subject. Uh, we'll have that talk later. How's that sound for the sake of time? <laughs> Some of you want to know where I want to go with that one, don't you? Anyway, uh, money doesn't grow on trees. Number six. Are we only up to number six? What's the time? Wow. Uh, we need our musicians up here. Quick, we're going to wrap through this real quick. Okay, real quick. Um, close the door. Do you live in a tent? That was always an interesting one for me because I always used to think if we did, that'd be really cool because this would be cool living in a tent. And the second thing is I wouldn't get in trouble because we'd be in a tent. But again, I think the point was to think of others. You've got to think of others. Luke 6 verse 31 says, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think it's just a great principle to live by. Imagine that. Next time you're gossiping and you say to yourself, would I like it if anyone was talking about me like this? I think that would stop the gossip immediately, overnight. We can do it. We can do it. We can eradicate gossip tonight. It just takes every one of us to say, answer this question. Do I enjoy things being gossiped about me? No. So if you don't like it, then don't do it. And it's, it's done. Because I don't know anyone say, I love it when people gossip about me. And yet we gossip all the time. We gossip all the time. I actually think if people are really comfortable talking to you about other people, there's something in you that you need to ask yourself, what is that? I actually pride myself on the fact that I'm one of those guys that is probably the last person to find out most things. 
Because I think those who know me well know if, if you start talking about someone or something, I'm going to say, hang on, stop there. Why do you feel so comfortable talking like that? This, this is one of my pet hates. And I'd love, to see, I'd love to see us as a church model something that the Bible talks so frequently about. To live in a tent, shut the door. Come on, think of others. Think of others. Can we do that? God, I pray that you'd help us just to put this word into practice. It's not going to be easy. Some of us would argue the fact that we're even gossips because we do it so regularly, we don't even know what it is anymore. When you hear bad news about someone, what's your instant feeling? What's your first feeling? Is it one of joy? Or is it one of sadness for that person? Or is it like, tell me more? I, and then we put this. This is, this is where Christians are so good. We say, I only want to know so I can pray about it. So tell me more. <laughs> Number seven, if you can't say something nice, don't say it at all. Which for me was a little bit ironic because every time my mum said that to me, she didn't say it in a very nice way. <laughs> but I knew enough just to let that one go. Point is, love one another, be kind. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, An ancient heart weighs people down, but a kind word cheers them up. Why don't you say something nice to the person next to you right now? Just, just say something nice, something profound. So I like your hair today. I like your smile. Gee, that's a nice top. It wasn't hard, was it? Here's what I know. If you could see what I see, you'd see people smiling. Because that's what a kind word does. If I said, say something nasty and hurtful, it wouldn't be the smiles, it'd be punching and chairs flying. <laughs> but if they say something nice and there's giggles and awkwardness and it's just, it's awesome. One thing I've found as a pastor, as I... I'm able to position myself in many people's worlds and get to say many kind things. I found this to be true. It's a lot easier for me to say it than for you to receive it. Seriously, some of you are really hard to encourage. Some of you, if I'm really honest, are really hard to compliment. And you know I've tried. I said, man, I love your hair today. Oh, <laughs> just... One thing I love about my kids, or our kids, is if you pay them a compliment, they will see your compliment and raise it 10 more. <laughs> I love that. Because we're created in the image of God. Why would you put yourself down? God doesn't make rubbish. You're amazing. You're amazing. Mitch, you're awesome. I know. Now, is that being big-headed, or is that just good theology? I think it's just good theology. We're the apple of God's eye. That means he's better than an elephant. He's better than a giraffe. He, he's better than a tree. He's better than a whale. We've got to save the whales. Ah, Mitch is better than a whale. Ha! He's better than a seal. Maybe don't club the seals. I'm not, I'm not saying you should go out and club a seal, but... 
Every one of you is more precious in the sight of God than a seal, a whale, a tree. People will hug a tree and hate people. Like, really? Gonna hug a tree? Really? You get splinters in places, you're not gonna want splinters. I mean, like, what the heck? Hug a tree? You're kidding me? You know, we've got a little dog and I love him. He's cute, he's wonderful. But you know what? If dog or the kids, I mean, seriously, buy Tobias. I mean, like, God, I love him. I love him. I do. It would bring a tear to my eye to do that, but I do it. I mean, I just, there's no comparison. What are you laughing at? Oh, come on. I'm trying to get some balance here. Some people are so precious. Oh, oh you shouldn't talk like that about animals. Yeah, we talk about people in much worse ways. Like, come on. Come on. I have people, oh, Tony doesn't like cats. It's true, I don't. But I know a lot of cat lovers that hate people. What's worse? Come on. Yeah, that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> Have I made my point? You got it. You hear my heart? I didn't say be unkind to animals. I didn't say cut down a tree. Well, I did do that as kids. Never get one time. (laughs) This guy would always tell us off for riding our bikes on his lawn. And we'd drive on his lawn. I know kids. And he'd get really mad with us. And so I thought, right, that's it. So one night, I'm not advocating you should do this, okay? But one night, we went round his place and I, with my bike and a shovel. And we hit our bikes, me and a friend, and we started digging up his lawn. <laughs> and I drove off, <laughs> just sense of achievement. If some of you are like, that's not very nice, it's not. It's not. And I've repented and I've apologised to God. But it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> It's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. (laughs) Which for us was code for, it's all fun and games until Bazza loses his eye. Thank God for younger brothers. Uh, The point is that things can be enjoyable, but harmful in the end. The Bible says it this way, that there is pleasure in sin, but it doesn't last. See, see, Christians try and say, you shouldn't do that. It's not fun. Sin can be fun. Just mention one, just digging up someone's lawn. It's not, there's fun in sin. But it doesn't last. It doesn't last. And what I love about the gospel is it's not a short-term fix. It's a story with eternal consequences. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25 says that Jesus chose to be mistreated. Oh, sorry, um, who was it? Moses, I think. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time, speaking of Moses. You know what? Being a Christian is not always easy. I think for the most part, my life's a fun life, but there are, there are definitely moments where it hasn't been fun and I've had to watch people having a lot of fun. 
But as I look back over the years, it's worth it. Yeah. It's, worth not, it's, it's worth not getting involved in the pleasures of sin because it doesn't last. It doesn't last. I'm not old, but I'm not as young as I used to be. And so there's a bit of a history. And that means I've seen a number of people in my world who have gone off and done their own thing as we've just kept doing the same thing. And the tragedy of so many of those people is they're just not in a good place anymore. Many of them have lost their health, their marriages, their finance, the spark in their eye, the spring in their step, their zest for life. It's so sad. It doesn't have to be that way. Don't, don't sell out. Sin will take you where you don't want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And the last one, number 10. And if those that are getting baptized can get ready, and Chris, if you can get ready, that'd be great. Number 10 is this one. And it's the one that scared me more than all the others put together. It was this. You wait till your father gets home. <laughs> Who's ever heard that? That used to freak me out. That used to scare me, i got to be honest. Because it usually meant that I was in trouble. But the point is this, they were all answerable to our Father in the end. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. You know, we have a Father in heaven who loves us dearly. And, and He's wanting us to make wise decisions because essentially He wants to have a relationship with us. And, and I think that's the heart of every father, even on earth, that they want to have a relationship with us and, and the discipline is only for our own good to keep the relationship intact. I don't know how long I've got here on planet Earth and I, I don't know how long you've got. But in 20 years' time, some of you who are in this room will not be on this earth anymore. In 40 years, there'll be a few more that are no longer on this earth. Some of you young ones, you'll be here. But in 60 years, probably most of us won't be here. And 100 years from now, Probably none of us will be here. That can seem like a long time, but in light of eternity, it's not that long at all. And what we do here on planet Earth is really important. And it depends on how we spend eternity. And Jesus so longs to spend eternity with us that He laid down His life that our eternity would not be separate from Him, but would be with Him for all time and eternity. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.